0: All right, guys, we want to personally welcome you out today to the I am Salt Lake podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, first of all, welcome. Thank you for downloading the podcast and checking it out. You're probably wondering, what is this podcast all about? What am I about to uh, get myself into? Well, this podcast is all about showcasing awesome people right here in Salt Lake City. We talk to musicians, we talk to authors, we talk to breweries, distilleries, business owners, really anyone that might have a cool story to share. So we want to welcome you out today to episode 358. My name is Chris. And my name is Christina. Christina. We're recording today out of our brand new podcast studio located in the back of Empire Merchandise, right in downtown Salt Lake City. I believe the address here is 680 South State Street. You're going to want to stop on by and and check Empire out. Not only do they have an amazing selection of vape juice and vape accessories, but this is where you can actually buy your very own I Am Salt Lake podcast t-shirt. So stop on by, check it out. At the time of this recording, we actually just restocked with stickers as well. Those are free. Stop on by and grab yourself an I Am Salt Lake sticker and slap it on the back of your car and, and show some pride for the podcast.
1: I'm so excited for this. Today, we got to talk to Shay Peterson. He's also known as Surreal. We get to find out what got Shay interested in graffiti, street art, and eventually painting murals. This is such a good conversation with one of the best artists here in Salt Lake City, so we're going to be playing that in just a minute.
0: One thing keep in mind with this conversation, we actually recorded this interview with Shay before all of the murals here in Salt Lake City got vandalized, spray painted on, tagged, whatever you want to think happened. Well, I mean, I know what happened. I saw the pictures. Very upsetting. Yeah. Uh, Quite a drag here for for the murals here in Salt Lake City. So we we did this interview with Shay before that happened. Otherwise, we would have brought that up in the conversation. Also, we want to thank our amazing sponsor for this episode, Five Wives Vodka. Make sure to ask for Five Wives Vodka by name next time you head on over to uh, your local bar. And we're going to be telling you more about them a little bit later on in the podcast.
1: And don't forget, you can always go over and visit our website at imsalllake.com. That's where you can get lost digging through the entire back catalog of all of our episodes. Also, a lot of people don't realize we have an awesome events calendar on the website, so you can always go there and find out what's going on. Again, the website is iamsaltlake.com. Go check it out and bookmark it.
0: All right, guys, here's that conversation with Shea Peterson when he came and sat down with us to share his story. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy. I like to ask people, what did your childhood smell like?
2: I mean, I think the earliest... Smell I could remember would be like race cars, like going to like RMR or Bonneville, you know, smelling like race cars and burnt tires and stuff like that. So,
0: you go, you, you went to a lot of like race cars as, as a young kid, huh?
2: I'm, I don't know how old I was. I mean, we used to go to like sand dunes and things like that. So, I was around like motorsports in some fashion. Um, so those were definitely some of my earliest memories that have like a scent attached to it for sure. Did you grow up here in Utah? Mm-hmm, I did. Yeah. I kind of lived all over. Like I lived in Magna. I lived in Sandy. I've lived in Glendale. I've lived all over the place. So,
0: well, I guess you've left for a little bit. Like you went down to, to Vegas here uh, recently and yeah. and uh, kind of traveled around, with obviously, with the art. So it's not like you've only been exposed to, to Utah.
2: Yeah. When I was 17, I actually dropped out of high school and um, got a job offer in Philadelphia. So I moved by myself to Philadelphia when I was 17. And I lived there for like a year by myself and then moved back to Utah. And then um, maybe it was like two years ago, I bought a house in Vegas I moved to Vegas. was there for like a year and a half. I think that's like the, the rule. I'm allowed to stay away for like a year and a half. And then I came back. So.
0: But something, something always pulls you back to Utah, I
2: guess. Yeah. Yep. What
1: keeps bringing you back?
2: Um, this one, I unfortunately got a divorce and I have custody of my son. And being that I travel so much, I needed like family support and, you know, to help out with my son while I was, while I'm on the road. So I kind of was forced to come back this time, kicking and screaming, but you know, it's worked out. I'm, I'm not upset. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Now in Philadelphia, was that anything to do with your art or was that something else that you were doing out there?
2: Kinda. So I started out, um, when I was in like probably junior high, I taught myself how to program. And I taught myself how to design. So I got like early bootleg copies of Photoshop and would teach myself how to design. So my first job in Philadelphia was a web development slash design job. So it did have some creative aspect to it. I was sure. doing some design work, but yeah, it kind of, I did that for quite some time. Even when I moved back to Utah, like I had a career in design, I'd worked my way up the corporate ladder and I kind of got sick of it and wanted to focus more on painting. And so I did that, you know, you um, know, but I do have like 15 years of experience designing and using Photoshop and illustrator and things like that. So it's helped my art, but yeah, I mean, I don't do it anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, gosh, you guys have a connection. She's a, yeah. she's a user, a, UX designer. At the moment
1: I'm you know. a UX designer, but you know, we all started there, right. right, right. Doing Photoshop and web design. And yeah. And
2: so so had like a couple of UX roles as well. It's good fun.
1: It's It's actually really fun. It's a totally different type of fun. It's a different type of creative yep. outlet for sure. But were you painting the whole time? Like, have you been painting since you were a kid?
2: (sighs) Kind of on and off, right? Like uh, I started the first wall I painted, I was like 11 years old. So I found some spray paint or something and painted some poor neighbor's fence. Um, You get in trouble for that. I'm sure. I didn't get caught. (laughs) (laughs) See,
1: that's the, if you don't get get caught, caught, you're fine. Yeah.
2: Um, The only times I've, I've gotten trouble. I've been arrested. I went to jail, spent three days in jail for painting an abandoned building and they gave me no bail and they tried to charge me with a felony. Here in Salt Lake City. After it was all said and done, I paid the restitution to have the the building painted over. The building didn't even exist anymore. They had demolished it because it was due to be demolished. So the whole thing was a joke.
1: So you still had to pay?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. For the demolished building? Yeah. I'm sure the city just kept the money. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. So that was fun. And then another time when I was like 13 or 14, there's Milo Sport, which is, you know, I lived in that area and I went in there and asked them for permission to paint this wall in the back of their building. And they were like, yeah, sure, no problem cops show up and they're like hey uh milo sport doesn't have permission to give you permission like it's not their building to give you permission to paint And, um, wait, the cops showed up to my, so who called the cops? Someone, there's like that shivers right there. Yeah. The little drive-through. So Mm -hmm. someone must've drove through there, saw us painting and called the cops. Um. So the cops showed up and I was like, oh, it's fine. We have permission. Go ask the Milo sport guys. Well, the Milo sport guys find out they didn't own the building and they didn't have permission. So they're like, no, we didn't give you permission. So, you know, that wasn't minimal. I mean, I was like a kid, so they didn't, Mm -hmm. I think I went to like juvenile, whatever the the kitty gel is. Um, no big deal. So, yeah, I mean, there's some some smack of the hand for what I've done to this point, you know? But the last, I don't know, however many years I've kept my my uh, nose clean, I guess.
0: Yeah, but you've been painting, I mean, murals for, for businesses and for uh, yeah. uh, companies. Uh, some huge, huge murals mm-hmm. here in Salt Lake. I mean, but all over the United States you've done.
2: Yeah, I travel all over. I mean, I have murals as far as Miami, like, right now I probably have five or six in LA. I've got them in Denver, you know, I mean, wherever I can go. Um, I was supposed to go to Memphis and do an event out there and I'm kind of a diva at this point. Like, so I got the photos of the wall that I was supposed to paint in Memphis and it was like this run down terrible wall. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to go to Memphis to paint that wall. Like I've got nicer walls here to paint. So I kind of, yeah, I didn't go. I, didn't <laughs> well, go to I mean, it's,
1: you're putting your name on it. You're putting your yeah. stamp on something
2: so yeah. did you go to art school at all or no. it's all self-taught? Yeah. I have no training whatsoever. It's completely self-taught. I mean, it's kind of an obsession, right? Like I'm, so even when I was in the design field, like I was in a position where I would hire other designers and I had this tendency of hiring designers that weren't out of school. They were self-taught. And my belief is that, that somebody that teaches themself is far more motivated to learn than someone who has to go to school because if you're going to school you're like okay i'm going to get a job doing this and you're kind of just going through the motions whereas someone who is self-taught is doing that on the weekends they're doing it on the evenings they're avoiding you know hanging out with friends and losing out on opportunities to be social to learn this thing so for me i'm self-taught in art the same as i'm self-taught in design and programming but there's a tremendous amount of passion that goes into being self-taught you know and the the amount of i guess uh work, the amount of hours that you spend to learn the crafter is just the same, if not more as someone who was, you know, traditionally taught or taught through schooling. So
1: I'm totally with you. I think, especially in the design field or the art field or, yep. and even in the programming field, like the, the most impressive people that I know did not go to school for it because yep. they genuinely do it because they love it and they just want to continue to grow.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's all about the portfolio of, of yeah. what the, what the art that you have, when did you figure out gosh, I can actually make some money doing this in, and, and paint big murals instead of paying people. money Exactly, yeah, yeah. and, not, I did and, not, money and not get in trouble doing it. Yeah.
2: Um, it happened really organic. Like I didn't seek out to do it. I mean, the one thing that I think that I did consciously that was probably to my benefit is the branding, right? Like I didn't sign my murals with the chicken scratch or sign it and something that wasn't legible. I put a stamp on the damn wall. Like, you can't miss it. You know, this is my brand. This is me. Um, that was probably one thing that set me apart. And, you know, as soon as that kind of started to build, you know, some sort of following, then the rest kind of followed. I mean, it was never intentional. It was never like, Hey, I could do this and make some money. I mean, because like you said, like I used to pay, like I had Mm -hmm. to like, Hey, can I paint your wall? And that was out of my pocket, all the paint, all the supplies, materials. So that's how it started. Um, you know, me getting paid to paint walls, it kind of went to a point where I was like, look, I have half a dozen people asking me to paint their walls. I'm going to start charging. Well, then it was like, okay, well, I still have half a dozen. I'm going to start charging more. And, you know, I've kind of weeded out the the stuff that I don't want to do just based on pricing in it. I mean, it happened completely organic. It was never really something I thought was even possible, let alone something I intended to do. It's cool,
0: though. I mean, you've done some of the the biggest pieces that I've ever seen
1: yeah. Just uh, with spray paint. What? Yeah. Right? I mean,
0: like how long, uh, one, one piece that I saw a lot of, uh, I used to work down, uh, at, a, at one of the tile stores down there in 300 West.
2: I already know exactly. It, what it, you're talking exactly. About yeah. You know, which one yeah. I, and, and
0: yeah. a lot of listeners I'm sure have seen that one. Yeah. That one's been up for, for a couple of years now, I think 2015. So
2: yeah, three years.
0: So let's use that, that business for example. So they reached out to you mm-hmm. and did they
2: tell you what they wanted you to paint on there? Not at all. No, I had complete creative freedom on that wall. So that wall is interesting. Like a lot of people think I got paid a ton of money for it. A lot of people think that like, you know, it was like some huge, good gig for me. Sure. I was working full time at the point, like when they contacted me, like I had a full time job. I got bills to pay. Not, right. not a painting job. No, no, no. Regular... I was still doing, uh, I was doing web development and design UX actually. So, and they reached out to me and they were like, Hey, we've got this wall. We've got a graffiti problem. You can essentially paint whatever you want. I'm like, okay, great. Give me some money towards the paint. Cause this it's a hundred feet by like 22 feet. And at that time, it's huge. Yeah. It's a massive wall, right? Yeah. So at that time I was like, well, that's the largest wall I've ever done. Like I need at least get some paint costs. So I charged them $1,200 for paint. I ended up spending about 35, $3,600 in paint. So wow, I took my full-time job and I went part-time solely to paint this wall. So I worked like two days a week at my job to get a paycheck and the rest of the time I was there painting this wall and I can't remember exactly, I mean, it's been three years, so I can't remember exactly how many weeks it took me. I think it was three weeks, Um, but I worked like eight to 10 hour days on this wall, four days a week till it was done. So my only compensation was, you know, the result of it. Like I, I lost money. Not only did I lose money in the actual physical cost of paint, but I lost money because I went part time and lost out on, you know, that income. So it was a huge risk to just paint that wall, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I mean, it's it's paid off.
0: I, sure. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have contacted you because of, of it's that a gigantic
2: billboard. Yeah, yeah, and that's then, true.
1: Can I ask an ignorant question? Because I really don't know anything about street art or you know mural art. How do you like? How do you prevent more graffiti problems on top of your art? Is there like <laughs> an unspoken rule that you just don't do
2: that? Or yeah, that's you, not an ignorant question. That's a great question. So. Prior to that wall, I can't even remember when this happened. That wall le- was untouched. Every single one of my murals had been untouched because I came from a graffiti background. The kids knew me. They knew of me. Okay. I was in, you know, different graffiti crews that had big names and things like that. Well, I kind of had a falling out with like the local graffiti scene. They don't necessarily like me anymore because now they see me as just this art guy that drives around a fancy car and mm. it seems unattainable to them. Well, that wall has been messed with. And I had to go back and fix it. Um, now I'm covering every mural. Well, you know, the, the ones that make sense financially with the anti graffiti coating. And it's basically in a thick epoxy coating that paint will no longer stick to. So, you know, any of these, any of these new murals that you see me do, if someone goes and spray paints over the top of them, it can literally be hosed off. It'll wash off with the rain.
1: That's So so cool.
2: It's extremely expensive. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the the business owners that are paying me to do it or even myself, if I'm doing a mural, like I want it to be protected. So um, but, yeah, there was an unwritten rule um, like in graffiti. It's there's a tag and then there's a throw up, which is like a bubble letter type graffiti. Right. And then there's a piece, which is more of like an ornate, fancy lettering. And then there's a mural. So the rule is, you know, um, uh, throw up goes over a tag. Piece goes over a throw up. A mural can go over a piece and that's it. Well you know paper rock scissors basically right that's right. like there's a hierarchy there and there's mm-hmm. there's a there's a rule and there's a law and i mean even with my mural being touched there was some other like uh, i guess big head you know big wig type people in salt lake that vouch for my mural to be destroyed so there's some politics going on there
0: so if somebody's out wow. to get you then they want to paint over it yeah it was it's a personal but it's kind of like a go to hell or F you or something like that. Right.
2: Yep. And the thing is, is I know exactly who did it. I know the kid's graffiti name. I know his first and last name. I know where his parents live. I know so much about this kid and I won't tell anybody. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to keep it and hold it to myself because you know, negativity is just going to get more negativity. You know, if he, yeah, he destroyed the wall or messed with it. I fixed it. We move on. You know, I mean, there's no sense in really like taking it further or getting upset or trying to retaliate. I mean,
1: I think you're only helping is. yourself by taking that stance because you're moving on and you're like moving towards your future instead of like holding yourself back into, yeah you know, like anger yeah. and you, you can get really stuck in that, in the negativity.
2: That's really bad. Really bad. I mean, yeah. my hope is that the kid will be like, OK, he knows I did it. He's not going to do anything because I mean, the kid knows he fucked up like he shouldn't have done that, that a post. I, had, I made a post when that wall was destroyed. It had eight hundred and fifty shares on my personal page. Oh, wow. Like, that's insane. You know, I've never had anything like that. So there was at least 850 people that were furious that this kid messed with the wall. Hopefully, you know, he'll kind of learn something from it. And when we all move on from it, I mean, it kind of is what it is at this point.
0: I wouldn't want to mess with that wall. Now, did you say how many hours that took? You, you mentioned like four days a week and, and this. Like I'm three just, weeks just and curious sh- how many. a Rough estimate.
2: I would assume at least 60 hours, but I don't know. I mean, some of the days I was there, it was raining and I would just like sit in my car and wait it out. But some of the raining. days it was like blistering. Like I thought I was going to get heat stroke. So, I mean, some days I'd paint for four hours and some days I'd paint for 10 and I don't really know exactly. Sure. I mean, I got to do better job at, you know, keeping track of I mean, people ask the same questions. So I'm mm-hmm. like, how many cans did it take? How many hours was that? I don't really pay attention. I just kind of, do it, you know? But so
1: if you spend all your time paying attention to like those details, how are you, you're yeah. losing all that energy that yep. you could be putting towards the piece. Yep. That's the same I thing
2: get. when people are like, Hey, do you do time-lapse or do you have video? I don't have time to set up a time-lapse or like, I don't have the, the capacity to be thinking about, Oh, this is a cool shot. Also, I've got to paint this section, you know what I mean? So it's tough to, to, to kind of document it as well as I probably should as just a solo person. But, It'll kind of develop, I think.
0: And, and you mentioned at that time you were working another job, but now this is all you're doing is the mural.
2: Yeah. Painting. So shortly, well, so shortly after that, I left that job anyways. And I went and worked with the company as a UX person. Um, and It's I a moved great to job. Vegas. I don't blame you. Uh, yeah, it's so much fun. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so then I moved to Vegas and Vegas to me was vacation. You know, like when I would hit the road or go do a mural in some other state or city, I would come home to Vegas and I felt like I was on vacation, right? Like I had a house with a pool. It was peaceful. It was quiet. And then I'd hit the road again. Um, so I kind of got off track there. But yeah, like that's when I started doing this stuff full time. Is like when I was in Vegas, I was like, you know what? No longer do I have to go do a nine to five. I kind of transitioned out of that role that I was working with the US, the UX company. They were based in Salt Lake, but they let me move to Vegas and I was kind of like a contractor. And then things sort of went south with that company. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm doing art full time. Very cool. Yeah. I've been extremely fortunate. I mean, I don't really know how I've done it, but I'm not going to complain about it. You know, we need to actually take a
0: quick break here to play a message from our sponsors. Uh, But then when we come back, I mean, I want to talk about your vodka, obviously, and and more your murals. We got some questions here from our Facebook group. So hang tight. We'll be right back. All right. It's that time of the podcast where we take a couple of minutes Tell you about our amazing sponsor, Five Wives Vodka. You know, all year long, we've been telling you about this amazing, delicious local vodka, Five Wives Vodka. They are great people. And many thanks to them for sponsoring this podcast. So the next time you head on over to the state liquor store, the next time you head on over to your bar and you ask for Five Wives Vodka, not only are you getting a delicious vodka, but you are supporting I Am Salt Lake podcast. So it's a win win all the way around, right? They actually have three different flavors that Christina and I are going to tell you about right now. They have the original. This is the one that's made from Utah mountain spring water. It's 100% distilled corn spirit, and it's gluten-free for for those of you that are keeping score at home. The spring is hidden in beautiful Ogden Canyon. It's inaccessible by vehicle, so they're actually hiking this, this water out five gallons at a time.
1: And I bet you guys didn't know that I have one of these bottles on my shelf at all times. She's not kidding. (laughs) It is is a household staple. (laughs) But they also make a delicious flavor. Five Wives Sinful is a flavored vodka with a delicious cinnamon taste. And it's not like other cinnamon products that give you a cinnamon candy taste. Sinful is like a morning cinnamon roll, and it only has 76
0: calories per ounce. There's also the Five Wives Heavenly. This is another one of their flavored vodkas, but this one has a delicious vanilla taste. Heavenly's rich, buttery vanilla flavor. It comes through without coating your taste buds with sugar, and this results in more vanilla and less calories. They have a website, fivewivesvodka.com. This is where you can find out more information about it. But just head on over to the State Liquor Store. Pick up a bottle. Pick up a bottle for your neighbor. This is going to make a great holiday gift for that special someone that you don't know what to get for them. Pick up a bottle of Five Wives Vodka,
1: and don't show up at a holiday party with that one.
0: Exactly, and of course, as always, many thanks to Five Wives Vodka for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. We have a Facebook group, which I invite everybody to to join the the I am Salt Lake uh, community. And we mentioned that we're going to have you on the show. Everybody was excited. I mean, obviously, you've you've made some some good marks here in Salt Lake City. Uh, there's a few questions here that I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, so one of our listeners, Nicole. She, wants, she asked, uh, when painting such a large scale, is it more math than freestyle?
2: No, it's not. People have this tendency to think that large scale stuff is more difficult because when you're up close, how do you see the big picture? But that's what makes it easy, right? Like when you're drawing, let's say you're drawing someone's face. If you draw and you're drawing their nose and in your brain, you're like, this is a nose. You'll mess it up. Because you'll draw what you think you see and not what you actually see. So the benefit of painting large scale stuff is you're up so close to it that you're painting shapes and you're not fighting yourself and saying, hey, this is what a nose should look like. You're painting shapes you see and that's it. So painting that close and 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 such a large scale is actually beneficial, right? Like, So it's easier, you think, almost to do it to a degree. In a sense, I mean, depending on what you're painting, right? Like if I'm painting like something that's some long 40 foot long straight line, that's difficult, right? Like, cause you have to be continuous and smooth and straight. But if I'm painting a nose as a good example, I'm not painting a nose when I'm up there. I'm just painting shapes. So,
1: so do you like, do you actually draw it out first and then paint over it? I mean, how do you even know what shapes or what's si- these are really dumb questions, no, no, but I've never done dumb
0: questions no, no, at all. Okay. I mean, I've just never here, done anything
2: like um, that. So. so there's a bunch of different techniques I use Um depending on what it is like. You can use a projector. You know, a lot of people do it. Sometimes I do it. All my public stuff that you see was not projected. You can use a grid. Um, you can use, like, this page-flipping technique where you basically squeeze or close one eye and flip the image in front of you and kind of, like, mark references on the wall, like a little imperfection or a bump or something like that, hmm. um, and then just kind of build your perimeter outline. Or you can fully just freehand it, which, you know, sometimes – you don't have the opportunity to use a projector or you don't have the opportunity to stand back and do the page flip thing. So you have to have like an arsenal of tools to get it done. There is no like one way I do it. I mean, it really just depends on the space and you know, the light or, you know, can I take a step back or not? Um, It really just depends. Cause the
0: last piece you did was like an apartment building or something like that. Or what was it? Was that an
2: apartment? I think, yeah, it's an apartment complex um, that they just built. And then, The mural is part of, I think, a parking structure. They architected that building to have a mural on it, so which is really cool. Like It wasn't just like, hey, there's some blank spot on our wall. Let's get a guy to paint it. They actually designed it and framed it in with brick and left it to where this is where a mural is going to go, and they're going to light it and everything. So it was a really cool project.
0: I mean, you had to use like a, like a scissor lift for that. And not even a
2: scissor lift. That was a boom lift.
0: A boom lift. Yeah, yeah. it was
2: an 85 foot tall boom lift because that mural started 15 feet off the ground and it was 60 feet tall. So, I mean, a normal scissor lift, yeah, there's no yeah, way. Yeah.
1: Are you afraid of heights?
2: No. Oh, good, <laughs> I was going to say, let's hope he's <laughs> not afraid of heights. Well, the first like five minutes I was up there, it was pretty nerve wracking on two fronts. One, you're really high up in the air. And two, when you're right up there, you realize the scale of it. And I you start to have self-doubt, right? Like how, why did I agree to do this? Like, how am I going to pull this off? I can't believe I got myself in this situation. And then like 15 minutes later, you're like, Oh yeah, I've got this. I've done this before, you know? And it happens a lot. Like a lot of times when I have these big jobs, I freak out. I'm like, ah, there's no way I'm going to be able to do it. And then I start painting and I'm like, Oh yeah, I've, I've done this before. Like stop, you know? So there's the amount of self-doubt on each job, especially large scale ones. It's kind of funny at this point. Like, I've been there, done that.
1: It's so interesting because like, I mean, Chris and I constantly talk about imposter syndrome and it it seems to me the most talented people like you are the people who actually kind of experience it the most. Don't you like you're, is it, do you you think it's because you hold yourself to such a high standard that it it kind of cripples you in the beginning?
2: Probably. I mean, I don't really, so first I don't necessarily believe in talent, right? Like I'm a Mm -hmm. huge like advocate of just busting your ass, like being a hard worker. Because, like, for me, like, when I first started painting portraits, I was terrible at it. It didn't just start and I, I could do it. You know, it took a lot of time. So I don't necessarily think there's an inherent talent there. But I agree with you. Like, yeah, there's a lot of self-doubt. And I've seen that. Well, I mean, i painted with some, like, some of the best aerosol artists in the world. And one of the best artists, like, the guy was just like, yeah, this is nothing. It's no big deal. Like, I don't care. I have no training, no background. So that guy, you know, maybe a unique instance there. But yeah, I think typically like that, that, like you said, the imposter syndrome is pretty common. Like people are like, why am I here? How did you know this? This is above me or something like that. I I have seen all the time. For me, like I said, the biggest thing is I don't think I'm talented. I think I just have to work hard. So like if my preparation isn't what it should be, which preparation to me is everything, like knowing what I'm getting myself into, making sure I've got my colors mapped out, making sure I have an idea of what I'm doing, And the better I prepare, the more likely I'm going to be successful. So I'll doubt my preparation. You know, I could have done this better or I should have done this differently. Uh, Yeah.
1: That's so interesting because do you think that a lot of people, I know I'm one of those people, but do you find a lot of people assume that you are the kind of person who can just show up somewhere with a bag full of random cans and then just make this incredible piece Yeah, with with like zero, you know, zero planning, zero thought. It's just like a natural
2: ability. So I just had this job. Well, so I've kind of like, I haven't taken any break for like the last six months. So I had this trip planned and I went to Maryland with some friends to watch some cars. And that was like the first time I've taken a break since May. Like I'm talking weekends, evenings, like I've just been slammed. Well, I had this job I was supposed to do and I couldn't come up with an idea. I just couldn't come up with anything. I knew what I wanted to do was greater than kind of what I had been designing. So I was like, look, this isn't working out. They actually fired me from the job. They fired me from the job because I couldn't come up with the design in time, and they expected me to just show up at the date we mapped out. Like, hey, I'm free this day, so okay, come paint. And um yeah, I mean, the expectation is you you're you're supposed to perform no matter what, and that's not always the case, you know.
1: Being an artist kind of sucks sometimes. There, it sometimes does. it does there's <laughs> for that a, reason.
0: There's another question here. I don't want to pass it up here from from Jay-Lynn. uh She asked in the in the in our Facebook group. Uh This one's kind of a little bit longer. So I'm going to just read it. She said, I'm so interested in street art right now. I'd like to know if SLC has any regulars and how to find out about their style, etc. And then does he have a favorite graffiti artist? And then your thoughts on guerrilla street art versus commissioned street art. So I, I know that's a lot of stuff thrown out and I don't even know, I'm not even hundred percent sure what she means by it all, but maybe you do. And if not, I, you know,
2: I wouldn't say, I mean, So how how do
0: you find out about their style? I don't know.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Drive by
0: and look at it. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
2: It's subjective. Right. So, and then do you have a favorite graffiti artist? Um, I've got a ton of graffiti artists. I mean, the way I look at it, a graffiti artist, I'm not a graffiti artist. Like I'm well past that. Like I don't do anything illegal and therefore I feel like it's kind of an insult to call myself a graffiti artist. Sure. Um, but I do have a favorite graffiti artist. Um, I have a bunch of them. I wouldn't have one specifically, but there's a guy Bacon based out of Canada who does some of like the coolest letters I've seen, like kind of like a calligraphy graffiti style. Which they're immaculate. I mean, the guy should be just designing fonts. Um, I've got um, the guy I was telling you about earlier that I painted with. That just everything is so easy for him. His name is Smug, and he's based in uh, Scotland. And he does some of the best photorealism you'll ever see. I mean, I've got a ton of ton of favorite artists. Look at my Instagram and look at who I'm following, and you'll find you know, a, a ton of amazing artists.
0: What What is your Instagram?
2: It's surreal art and it's S R I L A R T. And that actually is a
0: good opening. I didn't even ask you, I meant to ask you in the beginning, meaning behind your name. Is there any meaning?
2: There is, but it, it it's interesting. Like a lot of the, the same as when I do a painting, I don't always know what it means until after. And the same with my name. Like initially when I did the name, I was like, I came up with this name and with graffiti you you kind of shorten things so it it means surreal it's pronounced surreal but it's just s r i l but at the time it was kind of to represent what i was painting but now i realize in hindsight like it represents me as a person it represents my career as an artist because everything has been surreal right like i've got to this point where i mean we're even having this conversation like that anyone even cares um is surreal so That is the meaning. I mean, what I do as an artist, the fact that I can do this as an artist, the fact that I'm able to even be an artist is surreal.
0: Very cool. And you've you've kind of created a brand around this whole thing. And and actually, I want to lead that into uh, the vodka Mm -hmm. that you've recently um, came out with. And I have to be
1: honest, when Chris walked in and said that you brought us one of your vodka cans, you weren't in the room yet. But I fangirl screamed. <laughs> I,
0: was <laughs> well, I was showing it. So I was excited. showing her some pictures, I think, just last night. Yeah, I was just like, last night. Look, at, he made it like an aerosol can. And
1: I was just freaking out because obviously whenever I see someone be so creative yeah. with, you know, like taking what you do. And I heard you created vodka. <laughs> We'd been talking about it for a while. But like what you did with it is so cool.
2: Thank
0: it's just the neatest. Talk about how did this whole idea come about? Even to come out with vodka, I mean, a mural artist coming out with vodka, right?
2: right? So it's kind of a funny story. Um, without throwing any other people or companies under the bus, there was a local vodka company that went and put one of their bottles in front of my murals, and I reached out to them and I was like, "Hey, we should collaborate. Let me do a label." And they ghosted me, so I was like, "You know what? Fuck it. I'll make my own vodka." So, I reached out to uh, Ethan Miller who I think at the time he was working with Denard Brick and I was like, "Hey, how do I where do I go? What do I do?" And he got me in touch with the guys at Distillery 36 and this was like almost a year ago we just started the process. So, um I designed the bottle uh with a pencil sketch. I had the lids custom made here in Utah, so that's a it's a injection molded piece of plastic that was made from a 3d model to, to represent a, a spray can we sent or spent like three or four months f- sourcing a, a stock bottle that looked like a spray can that matched my design. I designed the labels myself, you know, and the guys at distillery 36 are, are masterminds with the d- distillation process. And we kind of worked back and forth and found, you know, a formula that we liked. And, you know, the end result is hopefully a product that looks as good as it tastes.
1: Which I'm going to go
0: ahead and vouch for. Yeah,
1: you, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, what, what do you think there, <laughs> Chris? You were Disclaimer taking Disclaimer listeners, I've had a couple there. of shots of this since we... So good. Oh now, my gosh. Now,
0: it hasn't been out very long, right?
2: So technically, it's not really out yet. Like, you can only buy at the distillery right now, but we did our launch party at the complex. People were able to, you know, taste it then. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the process on getting it into the liquor stores is... Is,
0: is it a pain in the ass?
2: I don't think it is. I mean, I think all, all things considered, like, they do a really good job. You know, like the, the DABC does a really good job. You know, it's just, it's, it's time consuming. That's
0: what about, I wonder how hard
2: would it be to get in bars and stuff it's like that? It's the same process. Same so, process.
1: Like once I you mean, pass the DABC, you can kind of get anywhere?
2: No, actually. So right now we could be in bars, but okay. what happens is the bar owners or the bar, you know, whoever's stock in their bar has to go to the distillery and purchase. And that to them is a pain in the ass because what they can do now with the DABC is just put in an order and someone can go pick it up. So until it's in the DABC, it's going to be harder for us to be in bars, but we could totally be in bars. I mean, we're going to be in button down Well, we're supposed to be in button down last weekend, um, but we could be there this weekend. So, yeah, I mean, and then it's just a matter of relationships, right? Like getting people to try it, you know, letting them see how good it is um, and then wanting them to, to put it in their establishment, whether it's a bar or a restaurant. So it's doable. I mean, it's the next step. What's the response has been pretty good with it? So it's tough, right? Like nobody's going to tell me they hate it, but the number one feedback, like at our launch party that I did, I sat there and kind of listened to people talk about it without knowing I was listening. Right. So like I was standing at the bar and just kind of like ear shouting other people's conversations. The f- response is a hundred percent positive. I yeah. mean, It's the smoothest vodka I've ever had. It's the best vodka I've ever had. Like those are the two common things I've heard repeated. So I mean, the, the Distillery 36 guys did a really good job. Like, their rum is amazing. Like, oh, yeah, the, oh, the spiced
0: rum. I mean, their the rum of, is had so had good. That.
2: One of my favorite rums I've ever had, if not yeah. my favorite. So we use the same base product. This is a sugar cane vodka, and no one really is doing that. But their their rum and this vodka kind of starts at the same same place, right? So, I mean, I, I was confident that they could pull it off, and I think they did. You know I mean? I don't know as much about that process as as they do, obviously. I mean I kind of tap them because they're the professionals, but I'm I'm extremely happy with what they produced.
0: Hopefully eventually it will be in liquor stores so so people can
2: uh, And like this is worth it
1: just to have the bottle in your house. Yeah. It is such a cool bottle.
2: So the thing that's cool about the bottles, and this was my my plan was not only am I just gonna try to like, you know, attach my brand to a bottle of vodka, but it's a it's a, a place for me to, you know, release new art. So each this first label will be a limited edition label, like there was a pre sale and we signed and numbered every single bottle that people ordered. So that was kind of cool. And then what I can do is actually introduce new designs and new colors and new labels and everything else. So they become like the same as a print, but yeah. it's, it's consumable. So
0: that's really cool. Do you plan on doing other liquors or is this just kind of a one-time fun thing to do?
2: It's definitely not like a one-time thing. It's not like a novelty. It's not like I just, you know, did a small run. Like this is, this is for real. You know, like I'm, I've already started talking about distribution in Florida and, and Vegas and California. So I want this to be a national thing, not just like a local brand. So yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any plans on doing other types of liquor. Potentially we'll do like flavored vodka, but the challenge is like, there's no cut corners. So like if we do like watermelon flavored, for example, I'm not going to go get like some oil drip drop thing to put in it. Like we're going to make it out of watermelons. And right now, like the size of the distillery, like there's just not capacity to expand that like that. So we'll kind of see where it goes. I mean, right now, just getting it into the hands of people that want it is, is enough of a challenge because we're just like it's flying off the shelves right now. So. I could
0: imagine. I mean, the packaging alone, you got to get, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, that's almost like a collector bottle. Plus yeah. then you got some art of yours on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll try to get a picture of this bottle at I am salt with this episode. So you can go check it out. If not on your own website yeah. too, which you have an amazing website by the way, Thank which you. I would imagine with all your UX experience, you <laughs> yeah. probably did your own website I too, did, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and all of that. Um, Thank you. Is there a is there a medium uh, uh, that you would like to try? Like you know, obviously you you do with aerosol. I, I would imagine you pencil and and paintbrush too. I mean,
2: not really. I mean, I used to draw a lot with pencil, and I stopped because I can't draw what I can paint. It's just a really? different, yeah, it's a different way of doing things. I mean, I can layer and blend with spray paint better than any medium I've ever tried. I mean, acrylic is terrible to blend with compared to spray paint. Oil is way time consuming compared to spray paint. Pencils, it's just, yeah, I mean, honestly, for me, like spray paint, once you figure it out, is far superior to everything else. I mean, the, the blending ability of a spray can is, is inherent, right? Like cans, they blend. It's speckles that turn into another color. So, you know, I don't have to sit there and work it and smudge it or do anything like that. I just layer it. I just, I mean, can control. I just saw, I mean, I don't know how you do that, man. Like
0: I've, I've spray painted with a spray paint can before and it just you goes. You have to have
2: everywhere. amazing control. Yeah. It seems like I mean, that takes years to develop. Like I'm still getting better at it. You know what I mean? That's just never, never ending. But once you develop at least a basic understanding of the cans and how they work and, and control of them, I mean, I think it's, it's a, it's a pretty, uh. Is, Legit that, medium. is
0: that something you think someone's born with, or do you think you can actually learn how to do it? I I mean, think, any yeah, kind of art, I guess, really.
2: I mean, I think there's some, some level of talent, right? Like, like look at it from this perspective. I can look at a human face or a photo of a face and I can break down the colors that are there. That's hard to learn. You know I mean? That's like your, my eye may see it different than yours. And you know, maybe you see some purple or something like that. And I don't, it's different, right? Like that creates my style. And that may be why people like my style, because I can pick apart a reference or something like that. But the ability to use the tools and move the brush around, whatever the case is, I think that, that takes time. I yeah. mean, it takes practice, no matter what it is.
1: Do you, have, do you ever, like, have you tested out a bunch of different types of spray spray brands, like spray paint cans? And mm-hmm. do they react differently, mm-hmm. like, and you found one that you prefer?
2: Yeah, there's, so there's, I mean, as far as these, like, artist brand paints go, there's really three like three that are worthwhile using. I and mean, there's there's a lot of like, you know, smaller brands that graffiti guys use, but they don't necessarily stand up to the weather. They don't, you know, they don't have as many color options, things like that. So there's basically three. And for me, the one I found that I liked, I've stuck with. And like the company itself supports me. Like, you know, they send me paint or they're, you know, we have a relationship. So I've kind of stuck with them, but they've got like, I think it's like 290 something colors in the one line of paint that I use. So it's more than enough. Um, I understand. I know how the paint reacts in hot conditions, cold conditions, low pressure, high pressure. I just know it. And Mm -hmm. so at this point, if I were to pick up another can, you would tell in my product. You could see, you know, maybe it's not quite as blended or is not quite as, you know, the details are not quite as tight. I mean, I pretty much solely use one brand and one type of paint at this point for the last like six years or so.
0: What would you tell like a listener uh maybe they wanted to become a mural artist I don't know don't I mean, don't, don't do it don't. I mean well, i mean what, it seems like a tough road to get yeah there, it does seem you know? like a tough road i I don't know, just like uh, I'm always or if they just wanted to be get into art in general it was it was just something that happened for you, it seemed like yeah, you know I don't know what, I don't know yeah, if that's i mean kind where of a, where to start like yeah, if, if you really wanted
1: you... to create something, what's a good place to put your endeavors in?
2: it's really up to that person, right? Like for me, the spray paint was just a natural fit. Like it made sense. It would, as soon as I grabbed a can, I was like, this is for me. You know, that was my thing. I mean, if you want to create, go create, go to Michael's, get a bunch of whatever you want, throw some stuff together. Like there's no right or wrong, but to, to be a mural artist, like it sucks a lot of time. You know what I mean? Like it's not fun. Um, it might seem You know, like even like people like follow me on my Instagram or my Facebook and it might seem like it's glamorous, like I get to hang out with jazz players or whatever, but like I've spent 200 and something nights in hotels in the last two years, like by myself, you know what I mean? Like Because you flow into different places to do jobs at. And it's grueling. I mean, three in the morning, I'm in like some empty warehouse by myself, like, you know, powers on a generator, like it's miserable work. It's cool when you can do these glamorous ones that you see like the public ones that i'm showing everyone or like anything on my instagram that's great but that's not really what pays my bills the ones that pay my bills are the ones that no one ever sees that were a nightmare that i did in arkansas you but why, I mean? why aren't you showing those on
0: your instagram too
2: i mean a lot of what you have to do as an artist like there's two types of artists mainly in my mind there's the type of artist that repeats something over and over and over and if you were to hire them that's what you're gonna get right you want them to do what they do and then there's another artist like me, where I can pretty much paint anything. So I get hired to paint stuff that I wouldn't necessarily paint just because I can. And I've got bills to pay. So, you know, if someone's gonna pay me X amount of money to paint, you know, something I wouldn't necessarily want to, I'm gonna paint it, you know, if the mm-hmm. money's right. Sure. And that's a lot of what makes being a mural artist kinda shitty. It's like so it's not He's, as glamorous no, as it, as it looks not. like. I think it's that's very as, true
1: for, for any art, like sure. any form of, like a person who wants to be an artist and make money, you have to accept that probably I would say what 70% of your work is not stuff that you're going to be, that you're going to want to show off. Yeah. It's done for someone else for yeah. a paycheck. And mm. then you're, that allows you to be able to create the stuff that you really love, exactly. which is
2: 30% of your work. Exactly. I mean, the, the percentages are different, right? Like I'm, I'm probably like 50, 50 at this point, which is great. But I don't say don't become a mural artist or an artist because it's like I'm so much cooler than you and better and I could figure it out and you can't. I'm saying it because it takes a lot of it out of it, right? Like if you create, like back when I first started, I was painting whatever I wanted just because I wanted to paint. There was no, you know, I didn't have any pressure of expectations on me. I didn't have some corporate client paying my bills. Like I just painted. If you can stick to that and just enjoy it for what it is, then you're in a much better place than someone like me who was like, oh, I'm going to do this for a living. And now, you know, when I have free time, I'm not painting. You know, I'm not painting for fun anymore. I'm painting for a living, which it's not bad. Like I still get to paint and it's, you know, not like a negative thing. But I mean, I definitely would recommend just keeping it something that you enjoy rather than trying to make it pay your bills for you.
0: Absolutely. What are some of your, you mentioned, you know, when you're, when you're not painting, like what are some of your other hobbies and interests? I always like to find out people we bring on, what else they like to do?
2: Um, I'm into cars. I've got a Nissan GTR that is about to have 1400 wheel horsepower. So it'll be like, so like fast cars. extremely fast car. Yeah. Like this thing, as it sits right now, it's probably faster than pretty much any car you could buy. I don't care how much money you had. So, and I drove it every day.
0: What's so the fastest you got that thing going?
2: Uh, one hundred eighty, but it'll do. This new the new setup I'm doing on it it'll do 205 miles an hour at a standing half mile. Do so you was, plan on
0: taking it 205? No, I was gonna no. say I mean <laughs> no, no, no. I think I was in a no. car once that got up to 140 and I felt like that thing was like
2: whoa, yeah whoa shit. So the like the real fast cars like a lot of people ask that like how fast did you get it to go? So that's not what makes a car fast. What makes a car fast is how fast it gets there. Right. So if if my top speed's 200 miles an hour but I do zero to 60 in two seconds. Or, you know, I did the quarter mile in 9.7 seconds at 140 miles an hour. So from a dead stop to a quarter mile away, which is 1,320 feet. So at 1,320 feet, the car is already doing 140 miles an hour. That's a very fast car. Well, the new version, like when I'm done with it, it'll do 170 miles an hour or so. So 1,320 feet, it's 170 miles an hour wow. in like 8.2 seconds, which is just wow. ridiculous. Um, so yeah, that stuff's fun. Do I you actually race? There. Like, yeah. Oh, right mm-hmm. on.
1: That would scare the crap out
2: of me. It's pretty scary. Um, but it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, would you ever get into like NASCAR racing? <laughs> no, so a, I typically do drag racing, which yeah. is straight line stuff. Um, we don't do many corners, even though like the Nissan, the GTR is meant to do corners. Um, it's just not really my thing. I've always been into drag racing.
0: Let's, uh, do you want to switch gears to Salt Lake Let's City? Switch we, gears. We always ask, there's a few Salt Lake City related questions that we, we bring up on the podcast. Uh, one of them is, you know, we all have those out of town people that come visit us and they want to check something out. We all have that place where we take them to, whether it's an area of town, uh, some people, you know, hike or whatever, you know, is there something that, that you would recommend say somebody was coming for the first time this upcoming weekend? Is there something you would say, go check this out?
2: I mean, a restaurant wise, like Billy Blanco's in park city or Jeremy ranch is one of my favorite restaurants. Not only because I painted it, but I love the food there. Like what, what's the cool, name of that one? It's called Billy Blanco's.
0: Okay. So people it's can like go a, check that out for some of your art. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I've got art there, but it's also a car themed restaurant. So like you can get a booth and you're like literally sitting underneath a car. Like it's on a lift. It's pretty cool. Um, amazing food. Uh, and just like, especially in the summertime, like it's a cool atmosphere. Like they have a little amphitheater and stuff. Other than that, I mean, you know, like I have these friends um, that they have a company called V2 and they put like shows on it out salt So like amphitheater shows at salt I love those as well.
0: So go check out some, some live music
2: or. or yeah, or for sure. Like yeah. I mean, I'm not like, I've never been to like any of the national parks. I've never, I've never experienced really hiker or anything like that. They look great uh,
1: online. Yeah. yeah I like pictures no, the of them.
2: Photos are great. <laughs> I've never really experienced like what most people would recommend. Like Salt Lake is good for Like I'm not a hiker. I don't go fishing, I don't go boating, you know. What would you change about Salt Lake City? Is there anything you would change about so the much. Edge? so much. So much. <laughs> Where do we start, right? I'm not a huge fan of like the religious influence, honestly. Like my, my my favorite part about Vegas is I felt like an adult there. Not because I did, you know, partake, but I could, right? So like you can I mean the, the pot thing is big. I'm I don't smoke pot, but like if you want to, you're an adult, go ahead. Like, go get I'm a on board. With or if that. you want to get a Right, hooker. right. You know, like you can do whatever you want. <laughs> just because it's available doesn't mean that everyone's going to, but for something, like for some reason, I just felt like an adult there. And I'm here and I feel like a child. That's like somebody's watching over me and smacking me on the hand if I try to, you know, or even think about doing something. And I'm not like a party guy. Like I'm, you know, I stick to myself, but. But if that option is there, it's it's nice to
0: uh, yeah. to know that yeah. it's there.
2: And the other thing, too, is like, You know, I would like Salt Lake to be more of like a destination place, right?
0: Like, Mm -hmm. like tourists.
2: Well, not just that, but like, let's say for example, and it's tough to compare to Vegas because it's Vegas. But when I was living there, it was like, there's a fight. Like, yeah, that's in my city. Like that's happening here. You know, people are coming here. Um, Things happen there. And Mm -hmm. there's something about that buzz and the energy you feel knowing that things are happening in your city and not just, you know, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff happening in Salt Lake. But I'm talking about stuff that people care about outside of Salt Lake. Sure. And makes them want to come here. Right. So that's, I mean, something that, you know, and like I mentioned, my friends V2, like they bring these shows and they've had people from like 26 different states come to their shows in Salt Lake. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, like that, that becomes part of that feeling where people want to come here because of what's happening here. And like, that's kind of what I want to do with the art and what I want to do with the vodka. And, you know, I want to help Salt Lake be like. Hey, that's where that cool vodka's at, or hey, that's where that good art's at. Or I mean, I think there's a lot of people that are doing their part. You know, there's a lot of really cool people here and a lot of interesting ideas. And I mean it's it's a cool place to be. But hopefully it'll get a little cooler. You know?
0: Yeah. How can our, our listeners uh reach out to you? How can they connect with you, see more of your art, even hire you maybe if they wanna if they wanna do a mural at uh, their at their place?
2: Yeah, so my Instagram is probably like the best place to see my work or get a hold of me. Um, you can also go to surrealart.com but yeah, I mean, Instagram, you can send me a message. I'm pretty responsive there. And I mean, I, I keep it up to date with new stuff. I, like I said, the work that I want you to see, not necessarily yeah. all the work I'm doing. So sure. Yeah. Instagram's kind of my thing. You have a, you have a question I do. that if you always ask, but it was there anything there, else before
0: oh, we get there that, I mean, I know there's so much I'm we good. could talk just, about, yeah. but I felt like, you know, this gave our listeners a good idea of who, who you are, Mm -hmm. unless there was anything that we didn't talk about that you were hoping we, we would talk about. Um, But you always have a a final question question before we, before we exit the show here.
1: I want to know if you can leave our listeners with one piece of life advice.
2: I think that like for me, I'm a firm believer in you can pretty much do whatever you're, you, you know, you set out to do. Like I didn't have like a, you know, like a, I know like a rich upbringing, you know, I kind of came from nothing and I've fulfilled a lot of my own dreams just by working hard. Like, and I know it sounds really stupid. Like you'll hear like these sayings of these quotes and they just, they kind of roll off of you for, but for me, the ones that seem the most obvious are the most important. So like really work hard, you know, really like stick to your like goals and have some, have some plan and you can, you can make anything you want happen happen. So yeah, just believe in yourself. Perfect place
0: to end the show. Thank you so much for coming and doing the podcast. I always tell people, you know, we, let's catch up down the road, bring you back on, find out what you're up to. and uh Totally.
2: Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. the gifts too. These are cool. <laughs> you bet, man.
1: All right. Many thanks again to Shay Peterson for joining us on this episode of the podcast. You can head on over to our website at imsaltlake.com slash 358 for all the links mentioned on this episode's conversation and to find out how to get in touch with them.
0: All right. It's the first of the month. This is when we take a moment and thank our awesome Patreon supporters. These are, you know, our frontline listeners that are, you know, they kick on over a dollar or two, kind of helps keep the lights on. One thing I do want to mention, we're actually in the process with 2019 ahead of us with, uh, I mean, really just a few more weeks here in 2019. One thing we want to do is, is do some live video in, 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 our podcast studio, do some video. And with the help of our Patreon supporters, we're going to be able to get some new, new equipment, some, some cameras and whatnot. So if you're interested in becoming a Patreon supporter, head on over to patreon.com slash I am salt Lake. I mean, even a dollar, $2, it will go a long way. Uh, to help support the podcast. And so let's let's read our list here of our awesome Patreon supporters, uh some people that uh you know they're helping keep the show going. Uh we got John Miller, we got Ryan Prince, we got Todd Bjorkland, Tim Heron, Wendy Joe Bradshaw, the Ute Daddy Lawn Process, Thelma Rother, Nicole Davison, Alex Santi, Zach Schutt, Brandon Hill from over at Mountain Standard Time Marketing. Will Dugdale. Jared Aguilar. Brittany Hemingway. Jeff Hadfield. Michael Beck. Eric Tomorrow from The Mediocre Show. Jeff Hatt. Sana. T.W. Not sure what T.W. is. I'd like to meet you, though. Uh, Alan Martindale. Three Irons S.L.C., Nikki Line, Michelle Stevens-Williams, Dirt in Your Skirt Podcast, Margaret from over at Dirt in Your Skirt Podcast, Christopher Heiser, and Jay Chambers. That is a group of people, though. I mean, I I would love to just get them all in a room together. Have a Patreon party. Have a Patreon party and give them all a shot of Five Wives Vodka. Oh
1: my gosh, that's such a good idea. (laughs) Just as a way of saying it. You guys, let's get you drunk.
0: For, uh, for being a Patreon supporter. Every month that we go through that, the first mm-hmm. episode of the month, we, we go down the list and we read all the Patreon supporters. I'm just like, wow, it, it blows me away that anybody cares enough about this podcast to actually support it, right? I, I
1: love mean, it. These these are good people.
0: So, thank you guys. Yeah, thank you very much. Again, patreon.com slash Salt Lake. The link's also in the show notes for this if you can't spell Patreon, because that is a goofy it's name. It's kind of
1: a weird name. But
0: anyway. I mean, Last couple episodes, we have been doing recommendations. These could be anything. These are kind of uh, personal recommendations, either either Christina or myself uh, would recommend. And so this week's episode, my recommendation is Mediocre Show. It is a podcast out of Pennsylvania. I know a lot of listeners of I Am Salt Lake already listen to a Mediocre Show. But if you don't, go check it out. You can check it out in however you subscribe to podcasts, however you listen to podcasts. Just uh, check out Mediocre Show. Eric and Frank, they are top notch. They're hilarious. Really, really cool show. So that's my recommendation. What, what is your recommendation? So
1: my recommendation, and this is going to be a recommendation for the rest of my life, just so you guys know, is the fanny pack. Everyone needs a fanny pack.
0: This happened because I was wearing a fanny pack. It
1: did. I know. I know. I have to give props to Chris, you guys. Chris is the OG because when we were dating, we went to DI to look for a fanny pack for him. And I was like this guy is so cool. So of course I married him for his fanny pack.
0: That's that's the only reason, right? <laughs>
1: well, and the cat, you know.
0: Well, they're so ridiculously cheap. What did you get yours yeah. for under for 10 bucks on like eBay or something? Yeah,
1: and oh, but they're so great. I wear it every day. I wear it everywhere. I will never use a purse again unless it's cute and I want to. I will always wear a fanny pack though. Very cool. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you again to our amazing sponsor for this episode, Five Wives Vodka. Go visit their website at fivewivesvodka.com to find out more about their delicious locally made vodka. And if you want to send us an email, you can always say hello at hello at And you can send letters, packages, and birthday cards to Chris to P.O. Box 4412, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84110.
0: I don't think we shared that. It's my birthday this I know.
1: Week. I just realized that. <laughs> it's Chris's
0: birthday. Send him a card. December 6th is, is my birthday. I'm going to be 40, 41 years old, Christina. 40 hot years old. Oh, my gosh. You guys have a great week. Make sure to get out and enjoy the city and, and throw a snowball at your neighbor. Support local. And we're going to see you on the next episode. And good night, Grammy.